G'day everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Free Kick Fantasy Podcast Clubs in Day series and today we are talking about the St Kilda Saints and by we I mean me, host, Liam, aficionado of Georgian Anscorn and I'm joined by my co-host Will. Will, how are you going? I'm very well, thank you Liam and I I love your new title. Yeah, look, it it feels natural at this point because I'm actually uh, trying to see how many episodes during the season that aren't about Essendon where I can mention that name and I think I've just ticked off another one. So there might be six at this point. Doing well. Pretty impressive things. We're a good, what, week, two weeks away after our uh, Essendon one. So you're doing a really good job of it. I've got the techers. Don't ask me how I did in my fantasy team last season. (laughs) I haven't got those techers. Now... I would say, oh, talking of things that are doing going really well, I could say throw to the Saints. But unfortunately, Will, the Saints haven't been particularly good the last couple of seasons. Give us a bit of a rundown of the history. Yeah, last season they ended up 3-7 and they looked pretty good at certain stages of the year, but the reality was they only managed to beat three expansion teams. And even though they beat them pretty well, we saw a lot of teams beat those teams pretty well. Um so basically, what's super interesting about St Kilda is off the back of that, they were incredibly active during the trade and signing period. The, the list of ins and outs is the biggest of any club. So we'll run through some of them now. I'll start with the outs. So they lost former leading goal kicker, Caitlin Greiser, pod favourite, Tiny White. Shout out to Tiny's mum. They lost fullback, Clara Fitzpatrick, and also a All-Australian squad member in Kate Shearlaw. So that's quite a bit of firepower in particular lost. But the ins that they have brought in... They're small fry. They're small fry compared to that. You've got All-Australian, best and fairest winner, Jamie Lambert. You've got captain of seven seven seasons, Steph Kiyochi. You've got reigning leading goal kicker, Jesse Wardlaw, coming down from Brisbane. You've got... Young gun and really, really good defender, Serene Watson. And you've also got Nat Plain coming across from Carlton to cap off that forward line. They've basically done a full reno of the team. It's going to be super interesting to see how that shapes up in Season 8. It is going to be one of the true tests of the AFLW because this style of rebuild for an already expanded club is unheard of. Mm, You see that kind of player movement during seasons with expansion clubs, but this is a fully standalone year with the same number of clubs that started last year, and they have added five established players in one big bunch, including at the very least the leading goal kicker from last year and at least one other full-time midfielder and former All-Australian. It's truly you know, a, a unique experiment for the AFLW. Yeah, absolutely, and it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how it all it all comes together. What's even funnier, though, is that whilst they have an absurdly long list of ins and outs, they also have an absurdly long list of interviewees for today's episode. So, Will, who did you get to chat to? Oh, this was this was absolutely incredible. We managed to talk to three players at the same time. So we had the skipper Hannah Priest. We have. Jesse Wardlaw, who we've already talked about, leading goal kicker last season, 
coming down superstar from the Brisbane Lions. So we get the perspective of someone who's coming into the club. And we have someone we are about to talk a hell of a lot about in T. Smith. Tiana Smith, who we know was a superstar in her first season, but has been out with knee injuries. This was super exciting. I couldn't have sold it any better if I tried. So let's just go straight there now. G'day, everyone. And today I have a very, very special treat. I have not one, not two, but three superstars from the St Kilda Football Club. I'm joined by the captain, Hannah Priest, young superstar midfielder, Ty Smith, and star recruit, Jesse Wardlaw. How are you going, ladies? Pretty good. Good, thank you. Very well. Good. good. Give a little, um, wait, can you pull your tie? Or... Oh, honestly, whatever. Tiana's a bit of a hard one, so I usually just get tea <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Tea, tea, tie. Smithy. <laughs> yeah. Smithy. Um, very yeah. good. <laughs> Um, so the preseason has now started. How's that been going? Saw you were on a preseason camp recently. How's the preseason treating you all? Yeah, also we're so stoked to get started on the season already. Um, it's been a big off season. So when we first started at the end of May, we were itching to get going and just got back from our preseason, which has been uh, preseason camp, which was um, an interesting experience for us all. Um, Inter- interesting yes. in what way? Oh, the weather conditions weren't the best, but <laughs> that kind of just added to the challenge of it. Um, and just like for me personally, not knowing many girls going into it and then spending, you know, 26 hours straight with them. Um, yeah, it brings you closer, that's for sure. <laughs> I was about to say, not already sick of them or... <laughs> Nah, but we did have a three-day break, which was good. <laughs> Fantastic. And you, you kind of um, touched on a the point there. There's been a bit of uh, player movement at the Saints this off-season. How have the, the new recruits, including yourself, Jesse, sort of fitted in with the group so far? Yeah, well, from my perspective, um, I think it's really exciting. And I get that from the girls that have been around for a while. Um, changes, you know, probably needed at the club. So, um, yeah, fresh faces. Um, some really experienced players bring a lot to the group, um, especially the young ones. But from my perspective, it's really cool having a lot of new girls around. We probably felt as a club, we obviously wanted to bring in players of experience and mm-hmm. they were really packed in our team on field, but have been really incredibly surprised and pleasantly surprised, I guess, that calibre of people brought in terms of their character and their want to lead and be a part of our team has been really pleasing. Yeah, fantastic. And you've also got uh, T Smith here who's basically like a brand new recruit. Uh, (laughs) How's your ACL recovery going and are you fit and firing for for the start of pre or start of the season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did it back in 2021, so it's going to be nearly like two years since I've played, which would be crazy. But, yeah, the knee's going really well. Um, yeah, pre-season, straight to full training. Um, it was full training towards the end of last year, so that was a bit touch and go. But, yeah, look, the confidence is really back this season, which is good. And, yeah, I'm just really itching to play again because it's just been going along. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear. And I guess was it strange missing two seasons? Like they they went through a whole preseason and then you missed a second season. Was that was that a strange thing to go through from your point of view? Yeah, it was pretty tough to be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. you never expect to miss two seasons. Um, yeah, at the start it was pretty hard. I thought it was like a bit of a joke. I just kept telling myself that it wasn't <laughs> yeah. going to be missing two. But then like 
yeah, you've just got to come to terms with the reality and just appreciate that um, I'm able to do my rehab here and have the girls supporting me, not doing it by myself um, alone. So, yeah, it, you've got to find the positives and the negatives, but, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so last season you finished with a 3-7 record, which probably wasn't quite where you were hoping to be, but there were some really positive signs throughout the season, including a, a really good win over the eventual Premier's Melbourne. Um, alongside, you know, a lot of heavy recruiting this season, what sort of discussions have you had as a group to push you guys forward in terms of your own improvement and also to push towards finals? Yeah, I think as a group, um, it's really hard to sort of measure success in wins and losses when you're mm. sort of halfway through the season and not sort of going to plan. Uh, but we sort of changed our outlook on our season when we probably were out of finals uh, mm. and wanted to sort of see success in different ways. And we just started measuring ourselves on our effort, which is yeah. a really good way to measure success. And if everyone coming off the track can say that they've absolutely given their 100% effort, we're really proud of the way that we conducted ourselves towards our values as a team and made our proud, um, our club proud. And that was something that we wanted to sort of measure as our success. Um, but again, there's a, a new season that awaits. So we're really looking forward to one, measuring ourselves on effort, but two, um, having, I guess, the wins and losses or um, hopefully mainly wins yeah. <laughs> um, to be to be that kind of outcome of our effort as well. Yeah, absolutely. And going into this new season, we've mentioned it a, a few times, but you've, recruited quite heavily and one of the areas you have recruited quite heavily is in the midfield um you've brought in superstar from Collingwood uh, Jamie Lambert who's going to be a great addition in there um you've also brought in the experience of um Steph Kiochi who's of course been captain for seven seasons at the Magpies you've been captain for two years Hannah how has the leadership that those two and some of the other recruits brought in changed the group and helped with your leadership style yeah, as you said, our recruitment was pretty aggressive in the off-season. I think we were probably one of um, the only clubs that recruited so uh, aggressively in that time, and that's because we really wanted change and we want to change quickly in our team. Uh, as I said earlier, not just on-field, but we're really looking to, uh, I guess, expand our leadership amongst all our players and bringing in experience like Lambert um, and Chiochi has um, done that, but also... Jesse having the experience she's had at mm. Brisbane and Serene Watson at the Gold Coast. Nat Plain's been at Carlton for since the inception of the AFLW mm. Beth Pitch and just brings a whole lot of fun to our, our squad as well. So all of these people that were brought in uh, contribute so much to our club, not necessarily on-field but off-field. They're doing everything they can to continue to build our, our team-first mentality as a squad. Yeah, fantastic. And you mentioned it was really aggressive recruiting and we we all think that it doesn't get much more aggressive than stealing the leading goal kicker for the league down at the club. Um, Jesse, you've been pretty much a Queenslander for most of your life and you've played a very significant part in a lot of Brisbane's um, success up there north. So what spurred you to make the move down south to the Saints? Um, well, yeah. I wouldn't say they stole me. <laughs> it was definitely uh, my, my choice. But, yeah, with, you know, five seasons at the Lions, um, I think just with anything, you know, it gets to a point where you just need something new and exciting and a mm. bit of change. So that was really it for me. And, um, yeah, St Kilda approached me in the off-season and, um, yeah, I loved everything that they had to say about the club. Um, met mm. some of the girls who really sold it for me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. 
Did you do uh, your best so, sales pitch, Hannah? Yeah, yeah. I should be in real estate. Shout at me dinner. Cool. <laughs> palmy, so that, that really got me over the line. Um, but no, I'm really stoked with the decision at the time. It was such a hard one, but like I, I know now it was definitely the right choice. And um, yeah, five weeks into preseason and loving everything about it. Um, yeah, it's just really needing change in my career and um, why not come to Melbourne, the footy state. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great place to be for footy. So we're very happy to have you down here and getting to see you play more footy in Melbourne. As mentioned, you you won the league-leading goal-kicking award last season, which is a fantastic accolade. Um, and in a way, you are replacing a lot of goal-kicking power that has gone out of St Kilda with Caitlin Greiser and um, Kate Sheila both moving out of the Saints. How are you feeling about leading that sort of brand-new forward line, I suppose, for St Kilda? Obviously, there are other players there who have been established, but you're now sort of the spearhead of a, of a new attack. Are you feeling any sort of pressure to repeat last year's efforts or has it been a lot of um, lot more collaborative, I suppose? Yeah, um, I wouldn't say I'm feeling too much pressure. Um, coming into a group being a tall forward, you kind of do get that responsibility to lead in some sort of way. But we've got a lot of experience down the forward line with Nick Stevens um, and Nick Zenos as well. Mm. But uh, also Ella Friend, who's a young, tall gun, who I know I'm going to be working a lot with mm. this year. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't say there's too much pressure um, to perform at this point. You know, we're only just in preseason, but the fact that, you know, Saints have produced a couple of great key forwards and although they have moved on, I guess that just shows that, you know, they're getting their hands on the footy, the ball's coming into the forward line and there's some amazing coaches that's got them to that point. So I, I just, yeah, I guess that, uh, you know, puts me in a good position mm. to continue on those learnings. Yeah, fantastic. And um, speaking of moving into new areas, I suppose the midfield we've mentioned is a bit different. And and T, you're coming from a, a position where you were a part of that midfield and now you're moving back into it and it looks quite different. How's your um, experience in this new look, St Kilda midfield going and how are you feeling about the synergy and the way that the midfield's going to operate at this stage? Yeah, obviously, I mean, it's a pretty young midfield, especially in my first year. It was very mm. young um, with Georgia Patrikios as well. Um mm. So to bring in Jamie Lambert, it's just, um, yeah, it's going to give the midfield a lot of upside, um, a lot of experience as well. So, yeah, I think that it's really exciting. And just to have, like, a good sort of um, good, like, roles. We've got good yeah. outside players and good inside players as well. So I think it's really exciting. She's yeah. very humble. She's been absolutely <laughs> tearing up the track. Um, yeah. Been working really, really well with Jamie Lambert, Liv Vesley, mm-hmm. um, George Patrikios. Molly McDonald, Ash Richards, Seth Jocci. Yeah. Just really fast, quick, powerful midfield. And although they haven't played a lot of football together, it's really starting to click together, which has been awesome to see. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the exciting things about it is there is genuine depth to that midfield as well. There are so many players that can run through there, um, including yourself, Hannah, because we saw you did play a bit through the midfield last year in a bit of a lockdown role. Um, is that something you, you're looking to do more of, maybe as a tagger, maybe not, or do you prefer just being uh, the marshaller down back? Wherever I can get a good usually. <laughs> uh, yeah, get more touches. Um, <laughs> no, I absolutely love playing off the half back and love that so can sort of use my voice in that capacity, um, sort of be the eyes for the team and, and use my leadership in my voice. But... I do enjoy uh, the challenge of working through the midfield as well and mm-hmm. 
you know, obviously have that discussion with the coaches when it's at the right time. But, yeah, I'd like to sort of develop another dimension to my game. And if that's through the midfield or on the wing, uh, yeah, I'd like to explore and continue to learn and challenge myself as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Atia, would you prefer a down back so she doesn't steal any of your midfield minutes? <laughs> oh, she probably would steal them, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I prefer your down back just because you're so good at it. You know, stick to what you're good at. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and I usually go head and head in all the running, so yeah. very fun. Yeah. But yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're here very excited for, for T to be back in that midfield because from a fantasy perspective, you had an absolutely outstanding first year and we've we've been really missing you down there. So you'll you'll come in at a, a discounted cost. So I think you'll be someone a lot of people will be looking at. And I think all of you will be players that are going to be keenly watched. Speaking of keenly watching, just a last question for you, Jesse. Is there anyone from the Saints that you've come across and seen from afar and thought, oh yeah, they're a pretty impressive player. And then now that you've got to the Saints, you're like, wow, I'm I'm really, really impressed by how they go about it. Yeah, um, I think that's most most of the people that I um have kind of heard of before coming here, especially young George George Chris. We don't call him that. We call him Doc. Yeah, we call him Doc. I don't really know anyone by their accent names. Only nicknames. St. St. Kilda superstar Georgie Prasparkas. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She's she's awesome. Um, she goes about it with very elite behaviors and just so skillful especially for someone who's so young um she's definitely a natural leader um you know she has the switch of being serious and having a joke um Mm -hmm. and yeah I think I just didn't expect to laugh at her as much as I (laughs) did yeah she's she's definitely been um I wouldn't say surprising but I guess Mm -hmm. she yeah is as good as everyone says she is yeah that's fantastic to hear um, so just a last question, I'll throw it to, to each of you in turn, but uh, we like to ask all of the people that we interview, who is really burning up the track and who do you reckon set for a really big breakout season in, in 2023? Um, you are allowed to say each other. We've had that happen previously, but uh, if there's one person that's caught, if, if there's one person that's caught your eye and I'll start with you, T, um, who do you reckon's in for a big year this year? Um, yeah, to be honest, a lot of the new girls that have come in have really caught my eye. They've all bought something different. Um, I would say in particular, I think Serene Watson has mm. just really brought great leadership and she just, like, drives the um, standards of training, just makes everyone compete to their hardest ability. She, yeah, extremely strong, good runner. So I think that she's going to have a really good breakout year. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Jessie, who, who have you seen that's been really impressive? Um, I'll have to go with young Caitlin Matthews. Um, yeah. tell you, yeah, she is. She's great. She she hasn't played an AFLW game, so I'm not sure how that goes with fantasy points or pricing. That, that, I don't that, know that's much. actually that's usually but, pretty good because it means they're cheap. So yeah, so if you're looking for <laughs> a young defender who is, um, yeah, she gets a hand on the footy. She's very composed with the ball. She just goes 100%. I'm very impressed with her. I think she's only 19 or 20 and she's elite. Um, yeah, she's just been playing footy for a while since it, since she was young. So she's just come up through the pathway and she's absolutely carving up. Nice. And we'll uh, we'll leave it with the word from the captain. Who's the player that's uh, impressed you the most so far? Oh, everyone's a star in my eyes. <laughs> No, I think um, we've been really, really impressed with the work of Matt Plain. I'm yep. inspired by her work rate at training and 
probably only played maybe 30-something games for Carlton. Yeah. Uh, but her work rate and her ability to sort of transition the footy from for um, defence to attack and energise the ball has been really impressive. And I'm also really excited to watch T. Smith do her yeah. work in the midfield. Um, she's done the power of work for too long um, to wait for her time to get back into the side um, with injury. So, Love training with T and she obviously pushes me. I'm about 10 years older than her, so <laughs> it's really nice to have someone um, pushing me as well. Um, and the last one, probably the second, um, that of Serene Watson. She's brought so much energy and voice, uh, particularly to the defenders as well. So she's not afraid to um, take on some leadership opportunities as well and um, keep driving the standards uh, for our team on the track. So and obviously everyone, really. Um, <laughs> is that one? Je- 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 Jesse's still waiting for the, uh, the yeah, shout-out. Shout-out, fingers crossed yeah, before. Um, and Jesse, <laughs> because I was um, successful in wooing her to the Saints. So <laughs> she's now she got me here. You don't even talk. <laughs> oh, fantastic. It's been I'm, a start. I mean, I said that uh, you said that you you didn't get stolen down, but it sounds like uh, Hannah at least had a little part in it. So might've yeah. been a little bit more. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. It sounds like huge, exciting things on the horizon for the saints this year. We're super looking forward to seeing you all out on the track, especially UT coming off the ACL injury. Thank you all so much for coming on. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice. Nice. No worries. See ya. Will, I'm I'm legitimately impressed that you managed to conduct one interview with three interviewees. What was your highlight? Oh, it, it was absolutely incredible. Honestly, I, I got to say a big thank you to to all three of them. It was absolutely fantastic. One of my absolute highlights was Hannah Priest naming pretty much everyone in the team who she thought was going to have a big year, except for the person sitting next to her and Jesse Wardlaw, which was. <laughs> pretty funny she's um, still just in captain mode from last year she can't think about the new play all of the new players just yet absolutely but um yeah it was fantastic and the other one and if you've uh seen the um flash for our you know on instagram they actually sent us the picture that's with that so we've actually done something a bit different to what we normally do normally we just put up the you know three players flash card there but we've actually put a picture of the three of them which is technically the first official photo of the three of them in St Kilda colours. They sent that through unprompted and we were so thankful because it's a fantastic picture. So once again, thank you to to the three of them. It was an absolutely fantastic experience. Now, I know that I've been talking about this player for multiple seasons and I know I've been talking about her online already, but who is your number one most relevant for the Saints? Number one most relevant, as you say, Liam, we've been talking her up for ages. We just talked to her then. It is T. Smith. Tiana Smith, at this stage, she's almost a must-have. So basically, we haven't seen her for basically two years, but in her debut season, she averaged 72, which is absolutely crazy numbers. Basically all on tackles as well. So depending on the platform you're playing, she's rookie priced in the official AFLW platform, 300k. To me, that makes her a pretty much dead set. You you just you just pick up. You just pick her. Simple as that. And even in the Marrera's Magic game, she's priced at forty seven. Absolute bargain. Um, everything that we have indicates that she is going straight back into that midfield. She's got plenty of good players around her. 
I think it's I think she's a must have, to be completely honest. Fully agree. I uh, couldn't have said it any better myself. I reckon she's got all of the hallmarks of players that we would be picking if she was priced at fifty. Yeah. And she's I just priced I, at fifty five. Like I just want to add as well, I I'm so excited about seeing T Smith play again that last year we did a draft league and I picked her in the draft league. I was that excited about some news that she may have appeared at the end of last season. That's how highly I rate her. I, I know that you rate her that highly. I would say that that was maybe not the best planning, given that we'd heard in an interview with Tani White this time last year that uh, she might not be playing. True. But I was that excited that there was a might there, that I thought she could be back, that I thought maybe it'll get me through into the finals. Who knows? True, it true, true, true. It didn't. It didn't. But if it had, if I would have been super exciting. <laughs> well, that's excellent for you. In terms of any reason to cons- anything that we need to consider, any flags whatsoever about T Smith, I would say that the only one that I have, and I'm going to be the one to say this, is we're not 100% certain on the fantasy coaching pedigree of Nikki Dow. Because we have seen a few times in the last couple of years, some very changeable roles from players that we would otherwise expecting to get consistent midfield time. I'm thinking specifically of Tani White, who if anyone was going to take or to claim to have played the T Smith role in the last two seasons with the injury, it was Tani White. And Tani was thrown around a fair bit more around the park than you would anticipate and was still also that player that relied on tackles and didn't necessarily push on to that 70-80 that we thought she would otherwise hit. Yeah, and I think just following on from that, two years out of the game is a long time. The midfield she's coming into is basically entirely different now. So as you say, it's a it's a it's a flag, it's a very small one because I still think at that price it's worth the risk. How, even, how if she averages, even if she averages half of what she averaged in her debut season, she's still making money for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think it's more just a case of when it comes time to pick who to start, if you're going to start a rookie on field, and I don't I don't need to say who the other rookie midfielder you might start because, Will, uh, I've already mentioned them in this episode, it might come down to how much we trust the co- coach and the role and we haven't necessarily seen what we want from Nick Del Santo as a coach, then we have fantasy pedigree from Tiana Smith. Tiana. All in all, I think you can probably say she, you're probably going to get what, let's say a 50 average. So in, in the official platform, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah, 100%. In terms of Marrera's magic, I think I, I'd like to see some consistency across the two, the match simulation and the practice match to speak to whether or not she's going to be that full-time inside role. If we see it, I think she's pickable, a must-pick in both platforms, and even without it, she's at 100%. She should be somewhere in your 21 for the AFLW official platform. Yep, agreed. I feel like that's now an appropriate amount of time to talk about possibly one of the most important players you're going to pick for this year. Will, who have you got for number two? Yeah, for number two, I've actually got another person we had in that interview, which is the Captain Hannah Priest. Now... Hannah Priest has been an inconsistent player across AFLW fantasy history. 
Um, but the important thing here is she averaged 60 and 62 in seasons five and six. That's dropped down to a 51 last season, which speaks to what you were saying, Liam, about inconsistent roles. But a return to that sort of season six form puts her up to, you know, a 60-ish average. There's nine points of upside there, which can put her into that top five conversation. I will admit it's a gamble. I really like Hannah Priest as a player. As a fantasy scorer, I've been burnt in the past. Yeah, because she was someone that was on our watch list last year. Tani White was like, yeah, Hannah Priest, midfielder, like, watch out. She's looking really, really good. And, so and we to like, be okay. fair, she was right. It was just she was playing a run-with role, which was terrible for scoring. It was a terrible scoring role. But even then, the CBAs weren't particularly consistent either until the final two games of the year. It was something that we saw right at the beginning of the preseason. And then it was kind of this awkward, like, wingy halfback role that didn't really suit Hannah's fantasy scoring game at the very least. It really was a frustrating watch last year. My question for you is, if she does see that improvement this year, is she potentially going to steal from someone else you've got on this list in B. Jacobson, who has taken a step up as a result of seeing another distributor move out of the back line? Yeah, potentially. And one thing we did hear from that interview is that Hannah Priest prefers to play that halfback role. So I'm hoping that that's an indicator that that's where she'll play. What doesn't necessarily bother me about that is that Bianca Jacobson averaged um, still in that high 50s range when uh, Priest was averaging in the 60s as well. So I think they play slightly different roles because Bianca Jacobson was like the best kickout player in the competition. Basically, she took 40-something kickouts and played on every single time. Which is just elite techers, I must say. Yep, yeah, absolutely fan- fantastic for, for fantasy. And then her other strength is her marking ability. Uh, Hannah Priest was probably more the recipient of those kickouts, for example, also run past handballs. So I think their roles are different enough that even if both of them are playing full-time defensive roles, both of them can average around that 60 mark. And because we've just mentioned her, I'm going to go straight into Bianca Jacobson next. I originally had her at four, but I'll bump her up to three for the sake of we can, continuity. We can say that she's four, but we may as well not repeat ourselves. Yep. Like For the sake B. of continuity, Jacobson. she's averaged 50, 56 and just under 60 for the last two seasons, been super consistent. She'll be in that conversation for top five defense, defenders once again because of those um, kick-ins and marks that we know about. I think she's probably more a player that I'd be aiming to bring in later in the season as an upgrade target because I don't see a whole lot of upside in terms of her pricing. I think that you're probably going to – you're picking her at her average of, you know, 50, 59 or whatever it is. She's probably going to put up that around around that mark again. Um, so I'd probably be looking to move up one of your rookie defenders to her later in the season. Yeah, I think she was 56 – this 56. season and her, and her prior best was when uh, she was in season six, which she had a ah, 59 yes. and a half. Yeah. I think, again, I agree 100%. I think, if anything, though, she fits into that awkward uh, problem. Well, that problem that we have with some of the defenders, which is they're actually a little bit too good at defending mm. and, can, and they have the height. I'm thinking of her and then next – the other one that really is going to pose a problem for us come selection time is Katie Lynch, mm. who are kick-dominant players, take kick-ins, 
but the problem they've got is that they're actually sometimes forced to do a role. So that might be just a little flag when it comes to picking Jacobson. It might need to be only in the case where you're comfortable that one injury to another defender, say, for example, a Serene Watson, if she's playing full-time, I would be concerned with picking B. Jacobson. And I agree because it was basically whenever they needed a second genuine tool beyond Clara Fitzpatrick, you'd expect that Serene Watson's probably going to step into that role. Um, if they need another second tool against a team such as, say, a Richmond where they've got several key forward options, that's where her scoring might struggle. The kick-ins helps a lot for a player like this, but it still is something to, to consider when you're thinking about it. Yeah, because I'm thinking of the game against Geelong where Geelong were running a, a second ruck pretty much consistently through the forward line. Yeah, Kate Darby was playing up there. Which meant that she scored a 24 in round five, which is the floor that you just have nightmares about because in other games throughout the year, she had 20 disposals, 21 disposals in round two against Hawthorne, had a nice 15 against Adelaide, but only seven against Geelong. That's the that's the flaw that really scares me. And it could come at any point. So that's that's what that's what's a risk with B. Jacobson. Exactly. And you take that one out, she didn't score below 45, and you'd be saying, fantastic, super consistent. But because she can be put into that role, just a little bit of bit of worry there. Yeah, 100%. And I'm sure it's going to be that worry times like three for Katie Lynch because she has a ceiling of like 100 and then she'll have three games at 30, which is probably the three games at 30 that I've owned her. Yeah. Well, that was a fascinating chat, completely thrown you out of order. Will, who have you got as your next ranked player? We can say that B. Jacobson and this person were roughly the same anyway. Roughly the same. Next person on my list is star recruit Jamie Lambert. She's been a superstar midfielder for Collingwood for a number of seasons, but last season was a tough one for for Jamie. She basically got thrust straight into the number one midfielder role with the absence of Davey and Benici. She was also injured for a fair bit of the season, which meant she spent a fair bit of time limping around the half-forward line. Um, So she averaged just 67. We say just 67. Um, But her previous four seasons had all been over 70, including a season where she averaged 85 and one of 93. So she's got elite pedigree there. So coming into a new team... New midfield makeup. There's always a bit of a, you know, how are they going to fit in? But there's potentially 20 points of upside there if she can return to that form that she saw winning best and fairest and getting all Australians. So if you're looking for one of those mid-priced options that could really jump up, Jamie Lambert's one of those options. Yeah, I can't deny any of it. Mm. But I also think that she needs to be ranked pretty lowly because for similar reasons that we've talked about in a lot of these episodes, there is a lot of risk that she doesn't get that role consistently Mm. and she's being thrown around at half forward, which we know that she can do. And then the next reason is one we've discussed on this episode already, which is I don't really trust Dal Santo (laughs) to give her a consistent role in the midfield. Yeah, and the St Kilda midfield is one that's going to be super interesting this season. We've already talked about the return of T Smith. They've got... You know, new recruit Jamie Lambert. Steph Kiyochi can pr- will probably end up playing more of an outside role, but that's another player to run through there. They've also got, you know, Liv Vesely and 
a whole lot of other players, well, Ronald McDonald as well. You can throw to your, to your next player, which is your rank five, because this is the other name that we need to talk about, who I think is actually potentially a bigger potential to rise, and that's Georgia Patrikios. Yeah, Georgia Patrikios was someone we talked about at length at the start of last season. We were all super excited because she was coming in well underpriced, coming off an average of 90. And then the fact that she came into season seven underdone meant that she didn't really reach the heights that a lot of people thought that she could. So she ended up being a player that didn't really increase her price at all, actually. She started quite slowly and a lot of people ended up jumping off in around three or four because they hadn't made any money and she wasn't scoring that well. In the end, she only averaged 68. She's now had a full preseason. We know she's an elite runner. That that 90 average is one that just stands out. Similar similar in that sense to Jamie Lambert where you go, you know they've got that upper pedigree. Is this the season where it comes back? It's all down to Nikki Dell. It is all down to Nikki Dell because I think for all these players, when Patrikios had that great season, I think she was averaging something like 23 touches a game and – was averaging somewhere around four to five tackles. Last season, averaged four and a half tackles. So literally bang on in the middle of the number that I can remember, but only had 16 touches a game. The thing that is most alarming about that though, that was the most on the entire team at St Kilda by two touches. So it speaks to a game plan that doesn't necessarily breed great fantasy scoring because I'm pretty sure, and forgive me, this is kind of pre my era of being fully invested, Patrikios' best season was pre-Nikki Dow. Yeah, it was um, that season five, and basically she had over 20 disposals in six of her games, seven of her games rather, including a high of 30 disposals. Last season, season seven, she only hit 20 disposals once. So there's something to do with that game style, as you say, whether it's a different role to Patrikios, whether it's the game style is less possession heavy. She's not getting the ball as much. She's a ball winner. And and that elite running, you could kind of see she wasn't necessarily getting from contest to contest through the season. And she also didn't have a, a particularly high time on ground either. Um, there was a few times, I think in her best season, she'd been up around like 82, 83%. Only 72% time on ground this year. So it, it might have just been the case that with that extra 10% time on ground, she can bump her possessions up maybe by two or three more, and that gives her a little bit of value. I just don't know if that 90 is there in this current side, or at least I couldn't get comfortable saying it with like full chest that she's got those extra disposals and scoring kind of on the horizon. Yeah, exactly. And then if you throw in the addition of... T. Smith and Jamie Lambert there. That's a lot of players who can score highly, but we don't know where all the pieces are going to fit together. And it might be that one of those players, maybe it's Lambert, maybe it's Patrikios, one of them could go up to that 90. Maybe all of them average 60. Who knows? I would be so frustrated if it was only all 60s because I've just there's someone in there that's an elite fantasy player for all of them. Exactly. And it's one of the reasons that I'm so fascinated by St. Kilda this season. I'm going to be watching them so closely because even if it's not this season, there's there's enough there for me to suggest that in seasons to come, someone's going to do that 90 plus average. And I think we'll, we'll get an indication of who it could be, but we mightn't actually get it next season. 
Yeah. And I'm sure you watching more St Kilda games will have nothing to do with the recent arrival of two former superstar Collingwood players. That will have absolutely nothing to do with it whatsoever. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Well, That's actually, to be honest, the uh, that interview was so enjoyable for me that St Kilda have actually moved themselves up to my fourth favourite club. So, Hang on, what's your third? Gold Coast. Oh, fun. Is that because you picked the captains? Because I picked the captain and because... <laughs> The two interviews I've done there have also been delightful, so. Fair enough. Well, after what has been one of our, probably our longest episodes, our one, two, three, four, fives to this point, I finally get to talk about my Liam special because I've obviously had nothing to say up until now. Mm. He's been practically silent up to this point, so we're going to finally give him a chance to talk. Deathly quiet. I am just so bored right now. Um, I'm going to talk about a player who... If it wasn't for Paige Scott, would be the player with the lowest score to rate a mention as most relevant, and that is Janome Anderson. Now, the genome was someone that we all had on our radar because she came in as one of the most highly rated recruits in the kind of mega expansion draft. She came in at pick 16, but importantly, she was the third non-expansion pick, meaning that – and then she was she was the highest rated pick to the non-expansion clubs to come from the Victorian pool. And she also came in as the youngest player effectively last year. Youngest player in the first round. I can't remember if it was the whole draft. Came in as 17. It was the whole draft. Well, the whole draft? Whole draft. Basically, a school kid came in and – when we did the interview last year with Tani White, talked about the natural leadership quality and even though she's quite young and they may have actually been limiting the amount of running that they wanted her to do, she clearly has just a natural affinity for the ball. Now, that was all well and good. She came in in round five and had a very unfortunate first game and scored four. Now, I know that there are a few in the community that had brought her in. One of the members of the community may even be on this call. Will, I uh, can't imagine that was a great experience for you. Yeah, I I believe that I'd spent much of the week, because they talked about her getting her debut, I spent much of the week saying, Janome Anderson, going to be a superstar, get her in. And then, as you said, she scored four points and actually went down from her near basement price and then ended up basically being stuck in my team for most of the rest of the team, most of the rest of the year because I couldn't actually move her on. But, uh. Thankfully, your pain breeds a massive amount of potential enjoyment for everyone playing this season in both platforms because she will be rookie priced again after having only averaged 22 across her games last season. She's going to get thrown in here as the special because she'll be a forward and I think that she has potential. She's a clear freak around the ball and you watch some of her highlights from when she was playing at school and the way she moves, it's at a different speed and direction that we would typically see from 17-year-olds. Now, whether or not she's a pure accumulator at this stage in her career, I'm not entirely sure, but... There's clearly an absurd amount of potential there. And if she's a best 21 player for a concerted period of time, I think that she's a worthwhile bench rookie option. Yeah. To me, we know she's absurdly talented. At some stage, she's going to explode. Whether it's this season, she's probably going to be in a small forward role, which typically isn't the best fantasy scoring. 
but we know she's got talent. She'll probably end up as maybe a high half forward and in, in that midfield eventually. I'm not sure it'll be this season, but that's why this is a special because it is incredibly speculative on a player who has so much talent that it is eventually going to be really relevant. I'm only going to counter that by saying it's not extremely speculative when they're only 300k. When they're literally rookie priced, it's fine. No, I completely agree. To me, to me, it's the 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 fact that we know that she can score four points. And one of her games last season, you know, final round, she scored 13 points with zero disposals, which, as Liam informs, is a great thing because it suggests that she can score even if she's not getting the ball. But I think that this is one where I'm not sure we're going to reap the benefit yet. I'd love it to happen because I want to see this extreme talent become an immediate star player. Liam's right. For 300K, it's very low risk. Yeah. It has Danielle Pontery vibes to me. Danielle Pontery vibes for sure. Well, on that very entertaining note, um, Pontery is the new uh, word of the day uh, for those Sesame Street fans playing along. We've now got to the end of our St Kilda episode. Uh, next up, we have the Sydney Swans who... If this was a long episode today of the one, two, three, four, five, I, I'm going to say that Sydney's probably going to be even longer because it is rammed, filled with superstar fantasy talent. However, before you are able to listen to that episode, make sure you are following us on social media, on Instagram and on Twitter at FreeKickWPod, if only to get our best 21s, which we're releasing with every one of these episodes. You can find me on Twitter at Liam AFLW Fantasy and Will, they can find you. And they can find me at Will H underscore VI on Instagram and Twitter. And you will be back more on Twitter now that the fantasy season is starting. Absolutely. That's what they keep telling me. <laughs> All right. Well, hope everyone enjoyed today's interview and also today's episode. Until you hear from us next time, enjoy. See ya. See ya, everyone.